0: The eighth habit is not about adding one more habit to the seven, one that somehow got forgotten. It's about seeing and harnessing the power of a third dimension to the seven habits that meets the central challenge of the new knowledge worker age. The eighth habit is to find your voice and inspire others to find theirs. Dr. Stephen Covey. For returning guests, welcome back. And for those who are new here, I'm Andrea Samadhi, author and educator originally from Toronto, now in Arizona, with a passion for learning, understanding difficult concepts and breaking them down so we can all use and apply the most current research to improve our productivity and results in our schools, our sports and modern workplaces. With today's episode, my goal is to show the importance of identifying, sharing, and amplifying the voices that aren't typically amplified. Dr. Stephen Covey reminds us that when he created the eighth habit, it was not about adding one more habit to the seven, one that somehow got forgotten. It's about seeing and harnessing the power of a third dimension to the seven habits, taking the seven habits beyond where they were before. That means the central challenge of new knowledge worker age, requiring continual growth. The eighth habit is to find your voice and inspire others to find theirs. After seeing this quote, I had to ask Greg Link, who worked and partnered with the late Dr. Stephen Covey, if I understood the real meaning behind this quote as I sensed it was deeper than I was grasping. He said, He's likening finding your voice, the eighth habit, as a next dimension fruit or outcome of mastering the seven habits. It's an outcome or next level opposed to another habit, which left a profound impact on me with this episode that features two well-known podcast hosts from my hometown, Toronto, Canada, who were on a mission to help others to amplify their voice with their podcast and new book series. This means that their mission will inevitably create many new opportunities or fruits as Dr. Covey put it, that will impact many people around the world for many years to come. Today's episode number 215 is important to me. Well, all the episodes are important, but this one touches the heart, mind, and soul on a deep level. As Dr. Marie Gervais reminded us to pay attention to on our last interview, number 214, on the spirit of work, to bring our whole selves to whatever it is we're doing. And today's episode does just that. Today, we'll be speaking with Che Cheney and Pav Wonder from The Che and Pav Show, a weekly podcast that centers around teaching insights, reflections, and growth of Che and Pav to middle school teachers from Toronto, Ontario. They regularly comment on being just two teachers in a highly diverse community who look to share best practices, favorite resources, missteps and setbacks from their teaching experiences. I've told them often that they are far from just teachers, but are exemplary, legendary leaders who are paving the way for many who have previously not been seen or heard and were at risk of being left behind. They did outline the highlights of becoming published authors and all that they learned from this experience on their most recent podcast, episode 110 on The Che and Pav Show that I encourage everyone to tune into. On today's episode, we'll look at their new picture book, The Magnificent Microphone, that depicts a story of Che and Pav in the picture book are two keen and energetic elementary school students who often feel unseen and unheard at home and school. They always have vibrant ideas to share, but for some reason, they're always ignored. One lucky day, they find a magnificent microphone which helps them to elevate their voices with the people who haven't been listening. I invite everyone to join Che and Pav as they plunge into sharing their voices learn about storytelling, and find ways to help others amplify their voices. Let's meet these new published authors, keynote speakers, successful podcast hosts, and legendary middle school teachers from Toronto, Canada, Che and Pav. Welcome, Che and Pav. How much fun is this going to be? Thank you so much for joining me on the podcast today on a Sunday. Thank you.
1: Amazing, Andrea. Thank you so much for having us for for meeting with us on a Sunday. Because it's really the only day that we had uh, to have this amazing chat. But we're always so grateful to to speak to you in any context, and so uh, so grateful to be invited onto your podcast today
2: indeed andrea thank you so much uh thank you for letting me know it was sunday i I didn't realize that till just this moment now so after this is done i'm gonna make some lesson plans for tomorrow morning all right looking forward to this conversation for sure
0: Oh, you don't do your lesson plans a year out?
2: (laughs) No, about 34 seconds. 34 (laughs) seconds before class, I will start to construct some lessons.
0: You guys are hilarious. Oh my gosh. Well, you know that you've got a serious supporter of your work here. And it, it, I really need to come back for a cup of coffee in the parking lot because I didn't hang out in the staff room. It wasn't really my place, but I'd love to come back. And when I do, you guys are going to be the first for me to call. So I, I can't wait to to get back and, and meet you guys in person for sure.
1: Absolutely. Same here, Andrea. We've, I feel like uh, we already know each other um, because we have spoken to each other so many times already. And uh, so it would be. An amazing first meetup if we were ever to do so I I feel like we would, uh, we would just pick up where we've always been leaving off with our conversations.
2: I'm glad you're open to coming to the parking lot because Pav and I had this conversation (laughs) one day in our opening that when I listened back to me saying I'll meet you in the parking lot I wasn't sure how inviting that was (laughs) so uh, I'm glad you will meet us in the parking lot for coffee we are down for that.
0: That's funny. Cause I got the difference between, or the staff room. And I'm like, nah, I don't want to be in the staff room. Do you remember that? Like, <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I, that probably that episode, I was like, Oh, I'll, I'll totally be in the parking lot with my coffee. And I see you guys, you're posting all the time. You're out by the car. I'm like, Oh, I would meet them. And I'm looking behind the car going, where are they? What, where is Rexdale? And I was talking to Pav and she was telling me it's not far from York university. I remember getting off the bus at Martin Grove or something around there to, to go to York, I think. That's where you're located, right? Both your schools, your different yes. schools.
1: We're different schools. We're just located. It's like the northwest corner of the city of Toronto. So it's it's right on the the border. Uh, of Toronto um, on the north and the west side, so it is uh, just so our, just uh, south of Steeles on Mar- and Martin Grove, like just south of that area. It's um, our schools are. Uh, not far from one another, just maybe about a, a five, less than a five-minute drive from each other. And we used to teach at the same school, and then I moved uh, to a different school. And so the parking lot is the parking lot of the school where I teach at, because it's on the way to Chase School. So we uh, we often just uh, hang out and have a cup of coffee in the morning before school starts. And that is, you know, it is a great alternative to the staff room because uh, I think for the same reasons. Um, the parking lot, even even if Che is there, it's a little bit more inviting.
2: <laughs> <laughs> no one has ever said, "With space with me that inhabits it, <laughs> is an inviting space." Well,
0: it's it's funny because I was at uh, Zion Junior High in North York, and uh, I was hired by my middle school history teacher, Mr. Black, who, in his spare time, he was a Canadian football ref. So, you know, with one of those guys in the black and white stripes, he was always mm-hmm. doing that on the side. And then he hired me for what I thought was going to be the best job ever and the, the best class. And and uh, yeah, I lasted a year in, in teaching. So anyone listening, I was uh, Jim Carson was my department head at Zion Middle School. And and I left and ended up leaving the country. Not not long after that, it was like I really needed to go infuse some positivity in myself after after that behavioral class that Mr. Black so nicely um, gave a first year teacher. But uh, but it's fun. Everything comes full circle. It's amazing to have this opportunity to come back and and talk with teachers from the district where I started, where my career began. So thanks for all that. So my first question is for Che. Am i the only one who has no idea who the Hurricane Cheney is. <laughs> and I've heard of wrestlers. My husband's definitely a fan. He's got a poster of the Iron Cheek in his office next door to me. And I've heard of some others. Um, but what's so cool about the Hurricane? And why did you choose this to be your superhero name?
2: So firstly, it's always dangerous to ask me the first question because then pav needs to fix the mess that i'm about to create which is often oh. why our guiding rules are pav speaks brilliantly and then i just fill in a few little little details or nuances and then we move on so this is already possibly going in a very bad direction so pav <laughs> take some notes and save this conversation if i derail it um Taking but one enough. but number two because i already said number one two you never get to choose your own nickname I often joke as an athlete, uh, if you're giving yourself a nickname, we already have inherently a big problem. And so the hurricane actually has come from an audience listener to the Che and Pav show that commented that the speed in which I spoke was so ferocious that I could win any argument. And so the conversation went, who would win, a hurricane or Che? A hurricane named Che or Che? And we came down to the realization that I – would still be victorious. And so the hurricane is actually a nickname gifted to me uh, from a listener for the ferocious, uh, I don't even say necessarily ferocious, the speed to which I speak and give information that is always linked back to a rant. And so when Pav and I have our wonderful lust conversation, sometimes I go a little overboard. I get a little emotional and a little uh, high intensity in how I speak. And so the hurricane is a reference to uh watch out for when i get going because the hurricane could be unleashed and i would make a connection to you'll remember this on noah daniels podcast the p3 when you had to pick a song that was connected to you and i said my song was awake the giant i'm actually quite calm and timid stoic introverted until the giant is awakened and then i erupt the hurricane
0: So it's not the hurricane, the wrestler at all. It's an actual hurricane.
1: An actual hurricane. Yeah. And, and I think that it's, it's the perfect nickname for him because it suits him brilliantly because he, he really does. He'll just, you know, when he, when something ignites that passion, when it's, he just needs that little spark and then he's all over the place. And so um, it's, it's a lot of fun and I think it suits him perfectly.
0: Oh, I love that. And Pav, Wonder Woman Wonder, I understand this reference much better than the hurricane one that I now get, but you are definitely a Wonder Woman teaching, raising a family, running the podcast, no explanation needed for your title, except, oh yeah, you have Expert Baker, because I did steal one of your Christmas cookie recipes back in the Christmas, (laughs) Um, so, so welcome. And why did you choose have Wonder Woman Wonder other than did I miss anything from there from your list of qualifications? Again,
1: very much the same. Um, I did not give myself this nickname. Uh, it was actually it was given to me by by Che's uncle, who um who did our very initial when we started the podcast, he created our opening uh for us and it was like a little blurb he's a voice actor and uh and so he does he does a lot of uh movies and he has like the the greatest voices and so che was telling me about this and and we had decided that we need him to do our opening for uh the the staff room podcast when we first started the the podcast and so he did an opening and he ad libbed a bunch of stuff that he sent us, and uh, and one of them had had uh, Che, the Hurricane Cheney, and uh, Pav Wonder Woman Wander. So um, I thought that that was fantastic. That he he just gave me that nickname, and and ever since then I've grown into that nickname because it was very much uh, given to me at the start of this podcast before we knew a- of anything that was going to happen. Um, and I think that I have filled in the shoes of that where I'm trying to at least I don't think that I am there by any means but uh, trying to fill those shoes as uh, as we go through this journey. So again another nickname I didn't give myself it was just given to me and uh, happened to be one that I actually aspired to so works out oh, great.
0: love it. Love it. And, and I have to ask, Che, because you've got a nice background there. I don't want to miss it. So Montreal, I know nothing about baseball. Montreal, what, 27? Why is this important for you?
2: Well, the Vladdy Guerrero jersey is not as important to me as the Montreal Expos jersey is. It always takes me back to my youth and uh, coming from Ottawa trips to Montreal to watch the Montreal Expos and Tim Wallach and Andre Dawson and Tim Raines and Hubie Brooks these were my childhood idols Tim Wallach especially so uh, I always have a little bit of Montreal Expos and uh, in the background to to stay connected to my youth
0: got it well this is all going to be relevant as we get into this so it's Am I right with the numbers? It's been over two and a half years since you launched your podcast. Is that, have I got it right? It's almost three. Almost, almost, yeah, almost three. three. Got it. And it's now called The Che and Pav Show. I know you changed it from your original title. And I know so much has happened since you put your voice out into the world in this short amount of time that I'm sure feels like a blink of an eye for you and many opportunities are coming your way, many more on the horizon. So I, first of all, wanna congratulate you both on the decision to do this work on top of everything else that you're doing in the world. But I want you to go back, because Pav, you said on one of the episodes I listened to recently, that this is the most exponential growth you've experienced as a teacher. So could you both, and Pav, start, go back And remember when you put your RSS feed out to multiple podcast channels and how it felt for your life to now be chronicled for the world to see, where did it begin?
1: Oh man, when, when we think about our beginnings, like I have to say that when we first started this podcast, we had absolutely no expectations of anything. We just assumed that maybe our friends and family would listen. Perhaps our coworkers would listen. They would get a kick out of this thing that we were doing. Um, I think that more than anything else, Che and I just wanted to try something new that we had exposed our students to, and it was fun and exciting, and we thought it was kind of neat. And we wanted to um, archive some of our conversations because we have so many I think as all teachers um as we're walking through the hallway we're just chit-chatting about the things that are going on and some of our uh the things that we want to vent about but also the things that we want to celebrate um in our educational journeys and our daily lives in the classroom and um And that was really it we we tried something new for the very first time and we had i can speak for myself i really didn't have any high expectations of this going anywhere i certainly did not expect to be here less than three years later and uh and so there, there were no real, I wouldn't say that there were real um, set in stone expectations. I think that these things sort of manifested as we went through the journey. You know, we, we had, I remember when we had our first 50 listens, our first 50 downloads, and we thought that was huge. Like these are 50 people that we don't know yeah. that are listening to us. Or, you know, when we first got some uh, engagement on our Twitter feed, or when we first, uh, you know, got a few likes, or people sharing our work, thought, thinking, you know, this is uh, check out this this new podcast. This is really great, and and we we thought, wow, there's there's actually people that are listening to this that are interested in what we have to say, and um, and so I think that. Looking back, I, I, I can't say for certain that I, I really expected anything to come out of this. I think that Che and I really just enjoyed the conversations that we had and we wanted to archive them, chronicle our, our thoughts um, and and so much has come out of it that we're so grateful for and, um, and I love looking back on the journey and, and seeing how far we've come along the way. And I don't know, Che, I don't know if maybe your experiences are a little bit different or, you know, you expected to become a world-class podcaster on day one, but, <laughs> but for myself, it really wasn't, it wasn't about that um, in the beginning.
2: Uh, Pav, you, you hit on all the key elements. It's not even to add, maybe just to, you know, weave some of my thoughts in there is, I think of our growth, And you can define growth however you want. But I I always come back to one, this idea that um, knowing who you are, and we always make these blind assumptions that we know who we are, but ultimately we're exceptionally complex. And do we have any idea who we are? Because we throw around vernacular uh, quick statements like, you know, treat others how you want to be treated, which makes some mass assumption that you know exactly who you are to know how you want to be treated in order to ignite your growth and do you actually really know that before you start throwing out such very cliche statements and so i think of this podcast journey i don't even think i realized how much i didn't know about myself until we started podcasting and Pap, as you talked about you know our name change is sort of symbolic of, of i want to say our content our direction our growth but as you were conversating, I was thinking about what were we trying to do at first? And I remember trying to figure out where we were as a podcast. And I remember having a lot of conversation about trying to be humorous. And I, I guess maybe there's humor in our podcast. But I would say we pay no attention now to trying to be humorous or entertaining through humor now i think our dynamic adds a lot of fun to it but when i think about where we were at the beginning when you think about what did we want to do with this journey it was like we wanted to get our thoughts down and we wanted to have some fun and i think now we have a lot of fun doing it but it's no intention to say i want to have fun through this journey of of self uh self-discovery and i think because we position ourselves or are open to who we are we're not educators educators can be anybody and everyone has a really important defined role in education. But you and I always find people that speak of I'm an educator. Well, what, what does that really mean? What can you speak on of expertise and what can you not? I'm a middle school teacher. And I'm and, and Pav, you are as well. We can speak really openly on what that is, but I, I can't tell you what it's like to be a kindergarten teacher or what are the nuances of the job. And I and I can't tell you what it's like to be a reading literacy coach and I can't tell you what it's like to be an office staff. But when we use terms like educator, all of a sudden it's like we write a blank check to be able to speak on all things education, despite Pav and I having a. Uh, a space to share our stories. It's a small little story that fits and weaves within the complexities of education. So where and when does that middle school teacher experience mean something to you or uh, does it have value for you? Or how can you use it to curate school initiatives? So um, as Pav and I have discovered who we are, we've discovered what, what place, what position our podcast takes. And that position has shifted over time. We no longer try to create a, uh, content that's just funny and humorous and hope you listen but we really do try to touch on really specific meaningful critical things because we realize that we are the teacher voice in this educational podcast experience and i think we we've come to own that which is often why we talk about being just teachers we fixate on just teachers because we're not you know, I Wonder Woman, I know you are, but we're not superheroes because superheroes implies that we have something different beyond everyone else. But inclusivity is not about trying to label yourself as something that's exclusive. And being a superhero is an exclusive trait. And so we often fixate on being just teachers because every teacher has a magic has a power is going to influence going to impact but it but it's not it's not we don't think of it as being a superhero because we don't think of we don't like the exclusivity of that type of vernacular actually the just part of teaching is the understanding that this is a mass undertaking and that how successful a teacher I am, completely dependent on the teacher before me and the teacher before them and the teacher before them. I am gifted grade eight students that have a wealth of knowledge and abilities, not by anything I've done. And when I pass them on to the next teacher, I hope that I've gifted them just a few other things that go on with all this other uh, stuff that is built out through the years. So the answer to your question when you go back is Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, you
0: had no idea of the impact that you were going to make in the world as you pressed launch this podcast, right? No idea. No, not at all. And and the same here, as I look back, I just did the podcast because the content I was creating was going to go to a publisher and it was going to be a an SEL course that, included neuroscience. And there was a lack of credibility to the field um, with neuroscience and social emotional learning. So I did it for credibility and had no idea of where it was going to go. I was like, this is, it it didn't work out with the publisher. They, um, the publisher uh, merged with another company and that didn't happen. But instead of just ditching the idea, I'm like, why don't I just put it out on a podcast? So I also had no idea, no intention of being a podcaster, just thinking, well, what, how else could I get this to more people? And it just was by chance and, and fluke that this is where we all ended up. So it's it's kind of neat when you look at it.
1: It is very neat, especially, you know, when you take a look at um, in the world right now, there is a podcast for everything. And podcasting has, you know, Che and I often talk about how saturated this Uh, this industry has become really every it's you have something to talk about. We can start a podcast and we're doing it left, right, and center. Um, But how many of them have staying power? How many of them can be that consistent and continuously find more and more to talk about and continue to be relevant and important to the people that are listening. And I think that um, what you're offering Andrea and much of what Che and I um, try to, do is to to continue to bring those relevant conversations that people do actually want to hear. And I think that that's, that's important. That says a lot about not only um, the topic that you are delivering, but also about you as, as an interviewer, as a podcaster, as someone who curates this information um, to make sense of it for an audience that really wants to hear it. And, uh, and I think that that has really led to a lot of our intentionality around uh the material the content that we curate now and and what we like to put out um it's stuff that not only we think is going to help us become better educators better teachers but something that we think that we assume based on conversations that we're having with our peers and our colleagues everybody needs a little bit more of this and not just because it's new content but sometimes you just need someone to wrap it all up for you so that it's digestible and, um, and it's easy to take in and understand. And, and then it gives you a little bit more directionality of where you want to take it further. So, um, yeah, I think that, that, that really helps a lot of people. And I know it helps me as someone who listens to podcasts as well. um, somebody to sort of just make sense of that information for you and, and make it something that is easy to comprehend. And you and you. Yeah. And and of course, bring it back to our own practice, because ultimately that's what it's all about, um, is taking it back to our classroom and continuously it, that continuing that cycle of making us better teachers along the way.
0: Well, I've got to go to your hundredth episode because this was a huge milestone. And and I remember when I hit it, because as, as you're going along thinking, I remember when I got to my first 50, I did have like a little bit of of, you know, where am I going with this after I got to 50? And then when you hit 100, you know where you're going. There's no turning back, right? It's a huge milestone. And you cover your most impactful episodes over the years that impacted your growth. And what's unique about this whole experience that we've just talked about is that the world gets to see you grow. And I've watched some of the podcasters that I follow, how they've grown with their content, And I can see it in myself, like those first 50, I remember, it looks like I'm hyperventilating. It's like, I look at my videos and I'm like, why wasn't I breathing? Like, what's wrong with me? (laughs) So I I really have a hard time watching the first 50. But what have you noticed about your growth um, personally and professionally from putting your voice
1: out to the world? Uh, So for myself, I'll I'll start Um, this for me. there you go Che, I'll go first. Um, for me, this didn't come easily. Just like uh, you mentioned, Andrea, it was, uh, I was so nervous the first few episodes that we were, uh, recorded and it was just audio, it continues to be just audio for us. And I I just didn't know what to say. Um, I felt like I needed to script everything. Um, I couldn't keep up with Che. Che was, it continues to be so good at just speaking off the cuff and, and bringing such uh insightful commentary to the conversation. And I felt like I, I just can't, I freeze up. I don't know how to do this. Um, so for myself, just becoming more comfortable in speaking about what's going on up here. And I think, um, I've always been a very reserved person and a quiet person um, mostly because I didn't feel like what I had to say was worthy of being heard. Uh, And so I I just often just kept my thoughts to myself and, and waited for somebody else to say what I was thinking. And so I could just nod in agreement. Um, And this was very outside of my, my, um, comfort area. I don't want to say comfort area because I know that Che doesn't like that phrase. Um, And and I agree with him on many levels. This was an area that I hadn't explored enough to be comfortable in. And so um, I loved that journey for myself. I loved becoming more comfortable with my own thoughts, my own opinions, um, and getting to know myself a little bit more, and so that that whole self-actualization piece that Che talked about earlier, that was huge for me. Um, feeling like the the content that I had to share was worthy of being shared, uh, and and also speaking my mind and bringing that into this process as well. And then also going beyond that, uh, understanding my place within education a little bit further, and 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 starting to become more comfortable with the idea that i am just a teacher and we never use that as che mentioned as a as a derogatory or a negative term it's it's always in order for us to feel more empowered in the roles that we are in we are just teachers and we are amazing as just teachers and uh and i think that that has been something that i have really learned to um become more comfortable with and happier with this idea of I don't need to be many people are more than just teachers they go on to doing different things Um, not necessarily better things or bigger things or more important things but other things and I have become very comfortable with myself knowing that I love this job I I want to continue being an impactful teacher in a, a variety of different ways Uh, and, And I'm okay with that. And, and so that was part of that journey as well just just understanding that the work that we are doing as teachers is important. And we want to continue doing it to the best of our abilities without the expectation that we need to be more. Than teachers, and so that was that was a huge piece uh, for myself as well, and part of my growth and journey in this process. And of course, there's all the other growth, like knowing even how to run a podcast, how to do all of the the editing, which is something that I discovered I love to do. I never knew that I would enjoy piecing together the podcast episode after the fact. It's it's almost like, um, you know, like a release for me. I enjoy doing it, and. Um, So those kinds of things as well, you know, learning about all the different kinds of equipment and all of that technical side of things, learning how to send out a broadcast for our live show, The Drive. Uh, So that that's been a lot of fun as well. And there's been a lot of growth in those ways as well. But for myself, I think the biggest piece has been that self-actualization, learning more about myself, what I'm good at, what I love to do and how I can continue to become better at those things uh, over the next three and a half or more years.
0: I read everything. I, everything yeah. you said. Absolutely. What about you, Che?
2: Well, I can, Pat said so many brilliant things, so it's tough to know where to, to go from there. But I'll go for one on, she talked about comfort. And this is, this is something that I, 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 I do get, you know, hur, hurricane-ish about. People, oh, you got to be uncomfortable to learn. And I'm like, no, I never need to be uncomfortable to learn. I've never been uncomfortable when I'm learning. I'm actually learning when I'm inspired. And I think about my teaching pedagogy, no one ever tells me, make those students as uncomfortable as they can be so that they'll learn. I find this to be actually a little bit of false vernacular and, and taken in the wrong space. We can really get away from what is core foundation of great teaching and great learning, inspiration, motivation, desire. And you will push through sort of the space of productive struggle. But I think when we talk about this, oh, let's get uncomfortable. Well, okay, for what purpose? and if you think that being uncomfortable is the sole ingredient for learning and progressing forward i find that to be false vernacular i don't i don't describe on an anecdotal level because that's not how i learned if you make me uncomfortable uh, i i don't come back and say oh i learned so much i actually learn when you give me a little nugget that inspires me to want to learn a little bit more so i'm about inspiration which is often why i say inspired don't require and so when pat made that comment i said this is why i don't like discomfort and i make my connection to the podcast because it does many things for us and this is not a hierarchy that i'm going to articulate but to sort of complement some of the things that pat talked about it is a means of inspiration and accountability to keep pushing ourselves forwards as professionals, because what we were talking about three years ago can no longer be what we're going to talk about now, or it has to be how we've evolved. So when we talk about our teaching practices and the teaching lessons we've done, we have a few that we always come back to that we know work and we know engage students because we see it. But I am willing to bet that through this podcast experience, Pav and I are willing to uh, explore new apps or new web places to go or new pedagogies or new methodologies or new activities or explore new books or dive into new stories or make sure we're adding stories when we talked about scl we had this idea of everything should start with a story to introduce a content but often uh pav you and i would probably suggest that three years ago we would have used stories when we were talking about history or language arts and we wouldn't have been able to break that off to realize that stories can be immersed everywhere and i would contest it now we do a math lesson our first thing isn't to memorize the formula it's like can i find a story an anecdotal story a a picture book story connect to a student story to introduce the topic and so this growth is a manifestation of the podcast because the podcast put us in a space to be accountable uh pat our one word of the year was to be responsive and as and as sort of our our persona grew and our and our uh, uh the space we were taking in the educational space was growing we had to become more responsive to the people that were listening and to ourselves and that meant that you know, why would i want to teach the way i was teaching 3 years ago i got to continue to evolve and so the the podcast keeps you accountable to yourself and accountable to your audience and they gravitate to us we think because we're willing to experiment and grow and inspire and they they join in the journey or or it's not to say they're following in the journey they're joining us in the journey, because we just happen to have a space where we share it openly, but it's not because we're the only people that are doing this. There are lots of folks doing this work. They just don't necessarily engage in the podcast space to demonstrate it openly for everyone to sort of critique. And I think that brings people into that brave space. And so that's what I would sort of weave into the conversation with what Pav articulated so brilliantly beforehand.
0: Well, I found a graphic of you before I was, when I started researching, that was that quote. Well, no, it was the, you just said the quote. Can you say it again? Inspire to require or require to inspire?
2: Inspire, don't require. That's it. As soon as as you start telling people, I need this, this, and this compliance, uh, no one's inspired now. You're not going to get anything. You're going to get exactly what you asked for, but I don't know if that's what we want education or life to be.
0: That's good, that's good. That really made me think in there. And and that brings me to the fact that with your 100th episode, you picked the ones that were impactful, that stood the test of time. And over the years, I often draw back to past episodes for this reason, as I think that people can be inspired for years to come with these past episodes. And I know it's hard to think ahead and easier to look back, but what's your vision when you get to episode 200? What are your podcast milestones or goals with the next few episodes that you're going to do on your way?
1: Oh, okay, Che, I'm going to I'm going to throw to you first on this one.
2: That is like throwing me a curveball on a <laughs> count that dives into the dirt and I do nothing but swing over top of it or a. <laughs> pitiful rollover ground at a first base it turns into a double play and I don't get to play to the next game so thank you for that um, <laughs> but as we near 200 and we're very close to 200 as much as the 100th episode it was our 100th full length episode so if you uh, attach all our individual monologue episodes and in our interviews we are actually almost on the verge of 200 complete recordings and I think where do pav and i see the content going a little bit more i don't want to say interview based because most of our, our 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 most listened to episodes tend not to be our interviews they tend to be the back and forth conversation on certain topics but we we've come to realize that we've sort of done a hybrid of our episodes where Pav and I will have our dialogue for the 10 or 15 minutes. Then we float into the conversation and then we float out with 10 or 15 minutes of dialogue. And we found those episodes to really be resonating well. And it gives us a chance. We feel to honor voices that have really been supportive of us, but also uh, the Chan Pav show gives us a space to bring in people that we can really learn from. And so as teachers, your board's always funneling you great PD. Um, But Do you get to have PD experience on a one-on-one ratio? Very seldom. So we still, to our core, come back to the foundations that we're going to continue podcasting because every single day, and that literally means every single day. I didn't just say it, and but I only ever see it every month. Every single day, I know and I feel that I'm a better teacher. I see it every single day because of this experience. And then Pav, I know Pav talks a little about this. This is a journey we have with our students it's not to hide it it's to share with our students well we were podcasting on this today and i want to see how it goes in class tomorrow and so those students help you keep accountability and keep you propelling forward so as pav and i would attest we are live action research on what the active engagement of podcasting can do for you in the classroom and because that growth has been so exponential because we self-actualize self critique look for all kinds of new pedagogies methodologies we continue to grow and what who does that serve most i don't know if it serves most but it serves our students it serves our communities as much as it serves ourselves and so when you think about who are the winners well every stakeholder in our vicinity is a winner by this experience either directly or indirectly and if we're all growing and everyone's being supported then why there's not even a, a a thought that maybe we wouldn't continue? Fav, wrap that up.
1: I think that you stated that all uh, beautifully, Che. Um, I, I definitely, as it as our work evolves, we continue to bring more and more of it back to the classroom, which then in turn affects. The content that we uh, create and that we put out, and so I just want to see that that cycle continue over the next 100 or how many ever episodes we continue to go through. Um, you know, once now that we have started this journey, um, I don't ever want to stop it. Uh, we often think about, you know, what, when are we going to stop because it's been three years and a hundred full length episodes and close to 200, uh, including everything else that we have done uh, for the Staff Room Podcast and the Chain Path Show. Um many many don't make it this far this is this is already quite a feat Mm -hmm. and so we think to ourselves is this sustainable can we continue um whether or not we continue at this pace can we continue at all are we ever going to have enough that we are going to continue to talk about um i hope that we don't stop because this this is such a, a wonderful journey that we're both on um alongside everybody else who has been a part of this with us um, that I, I can't ever imagine now my life without it. It's like, you know, when you ask yourself, I can't I can't remember what my life was like without before kids. I right. can't remember what my life was like before this podcast. <laughs> like, what did I do to fill all my time? I must have had copious amounts of time before you know, this. Right? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> so wow. uh, it's one of those things that we just want to see continue to evolve and evolve. And who knows where it's going to take us. Yeah. Um, but we, we are really excited to find out.
0: Well, I got, I've got to go to your book next because uh, the magnificent microphone, this is a huge a thing now that you are both published authors. And I actually wrote my questions before I read the book. And the questions that I made for you didn't have enough meaning to me. Like, as I was going back and looking at them, I thought, no, I need to have more. And then I read the book and now I feel like my questions moving forward have a deeper emotional connection because I really felt your story in the book. Can you share your vision for this book that I know is going to become a, an eventual series? So who, who's going to go first with the vision of where you see this going?
1: Uh, I could start this one. Um, so when it came to.
2: Of course, you'll start this one. <laughs>
1: <laughs> this this book is such a passion I mean it's when when Andrea and I were speaking just before we hit record and we were talking about the the emotional journey of this book it, for you and I both Che this is such an emotional journey it is um absolutely talking about ways in which Che and I felt unheard in our own personal lives but You know, the ways that we were feeling unheard is just a snippet of the ways that so many people, almost everyone on this planet often feels unheard. And that feeling of voicelessness comes in so many different forms and for so many different reasons. And so um, for two teachers that are bringing social justice work into our classrooms on a daily basis. Um, bringing in conversations about um, anti-oppression, anti-racism into our classrooms. This is like a gateway story to be able to talk about all of the reasons why students, children, adults, grown-ups, people from all over the world can often feel unheard. And um, when I took this story into my classroom and read it aloud to the class for the very first time, because they knew that we were working on this book and they were so excited that when when I got the email that the book was was published and it was available for purchase, I, I was in the middle of a lesson and I saw the notification come up on my phone and I let the class know right away. And they immediately applauded and they were so excited for me they were so excited that our this project has had finally come to fruition um and they were so excited to hear the story for the first time that when the question that i prompted with that prompted them with at the end of the story was how how have you felt unheard and the plethora of answers that came with this question was mind-boggling it was so emotional for me to read and as we were talking about the ways that they felt unheard or that they knew others were feeling unheard around the world i just knew that you know this was going to be something that people connected to because we all have felt unheard. We have all felt voiceless at some point in our lives. And so um, it, on the emotional side of things, that was definitely something that um, made us feel really good about this project and, and we were so happy about. Um, and where do we see it going? Definitely, definitely a series. We've already planned out uh, the next book that we're gonna start working on soon after we you know, have a little time to breathe. Yep. <laughs> um but we are always thinking about where do we go with this next where do we go next and what do we do next and uh and and that's something that's been really important to us and and che talked about the importance of stories as as that in in inciting factor to doing more and more and more and, and and bringing podcasting into the classroom is something that we have been actively doing over the last year uh very intentionally and this is such a great way to introduce an idea of podcasting or sharing your voice or rediscovering your voice or amplifying your voice um, that we love to use this as as sort of that initiating point of, uh, you know, bringing that conversation to the classroom and and going a little bit deeper. Che, please fill in my gaps here.
2: Um, There were no gaps. Um, You talked, as you spoke, it reminded me of course of the movie Blade Runner, because we talk about being humanized or dehumanizing, and as you talked about, the story has many different facets. You know, you think it, it's a it's a picture book or it's a kids book, and you 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 trivialize it. But Pav, uh, we know we spend a lot of time really fixating on themes, and you comment about this. this is about for anyone that feels their voice is just not resonating, just not being heard, and that's not just shared by a six year old; it's shared uh, universally. Uh, we'll find universally for most. And so it reminded me of uh, humanizing because we feel dehumanized when our voice and our experience and our stories don't matter. And that's why I made the playful reference to Blade Runner because Blade Runner is all about all I want to be is to be human. But what does that mean to be human? It's to feel validated. It's to feel like your experience matters. But how many folks don't have their experience matter to folks because folks won't listen can't hear their voice and in that podcast space your voice not only is it amplified it's elevated but it's there for people to reference time and time again if i scream from the mountaintop maybe three people hear it Mm -hmm. but the the podcast space archives it it's available over and over and over again and we if i made that connection to the hundredth episode Sometimes episodes that we thought were important, they were important or they resonated longer. But other times it was the audience that let us know that it was important, that talking about toxic productivity, was, it was paramount to teachers because their feedback responded to that content. And what made an episode stand out was that it wasn't just a great episode for four days. The content of the episode was still meaningful to listeners six months later. 10 months later, it's still the toxic productivity, toxic positivity episode is still one of our most downloaded and continues to be our most downloaded because people see the relevancy of that content a year later because it is archived. And the story of the magnificent microphone taps into sort of that learning for us is that if I go to the podcasting space now, yes, we're trying to influence schools and boards and districts to build a podcasting space, and someone's like, Oh, I know how to use this software. That's great. You're not going to get convinced kids to podcast because you know, the software that's, that's the, how, so how do I introduce, uh, a podcast? How do I introduce voice? How do I channel or demonstrate to students that this is a space for you to amplify your voice? Well, stories. And we talk about, uh, Pat, you talk about anti-racism. Well, A lot about anti-racism is intimately connected to social, emotional learning and emotional intelligence. And so how are we amplifying stories? How are we embedding stories? How are we connecting to emotions? How are we humanizing every experience? And the magnificent microphone works to humanize podcasting. Not turn it into the how to, how to promote, how to make, how to edit. Although Pav, you do a great job editing all our content. I'll let you know because uh, I've never edited even thirty seconds of any of our episodes. Um, but the story is a welcome to podcasting. Here's a story of two students, Chan Pav's experience, amplifying their voice through podcasting. And if the story, the humanizing element of the story resonates. Perhaps students will be inspired to want a podcast. Not a story of making anyone uncomfortable, but a story of inspiration, motivation, humanizing the podcast experience rather than sticking to the, technical component and that's just something that resonated as pav was talking as she spoke i thought blade runner i made these random connections and andrew you'll have to edit out the whole blade runner part because your audience will be like i don't understand why this jay guy references blade runner but that's okay pav rolls her eyes at me every time i reference blade runner because i've probably done it in 10 of our episodes but uh the magnificent microphone is something that I know Pav and I are really proud of and it's a demonstration of our learning as teachers it goes back to your previous question Andrea we would not have been intelligent enough not probably the wrong vernacular wise enough uh intentional enough to curate this story for this purpose four years ago we wouldn't have understood the value of the 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 humanizing component of podcasting we we wouldn't have been in that space but our Growth with understanding, social emotional learning, embedding stories, humanizing content, whether it be math or science or geography or physical education. And we've become really intentional in making sure we bring stories to those spaces. It made it really purposeful for us to say, well, we do all these podcasting PDs, but we actually don't start with something we 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 know we believe in, which is a wonderful impactful story. Mm-hmm. So if you want a podcast, well, here's a story. Start with this. And if this doesn't inspire you, then well, I I, did, I defer to Pav if it doesn't inspire you because that's the only tool I got on my belt is inspiration.
0: Okay, so I've got to I've got to say this because with the whole inspiration part, when I was reading the book, it was when the two characters plugged in the microphone and then they could hear the buzz. Right? It was almost like it took me back to that '80s video "Aha, Take on Me" where they jump into the pages of this comic book and they're running through these hallways. I was like jumps. I jumped through the microphone as your characters were having that experience. It brought me into the into your book through inspiration of how you wrote that, because you know what it feels like when you put on the, the headset and it goes dead quiet. You can hear nothing but your voice. And you put that into words that that to me was brilliant. I loved
1: that part of the book. Andrea, your retell of that actually gave me chills because uh, so many students, when the first time they put on the microphones, their, their eyes light up, their eyes light up going, I had no idea it sounded like this when you put the headphones on and you you breathed into the microphone. Uh, and it really is that, that sort of um, that moment where a light bulb sort of goes on thinking this, that the possibilities are endless now. And so um, I love that. Thank you for for sharing that experience from from reading that section of the book. So I've got to mention
0: uh, your artwork in the book because I actually had to work with an artist for Level Up, the book that I wrote that went into the schools. And we actually interviewed our artist, Sam Roberts, uh, on one of our earlier episodes. And her artwork actually gained her a four-year, all-paid prestigious leadership scholarship at the University of Arkansas. So who knew when she was 16 and sending me back these images to these ideas that I was saying, can you write this for me? Can you draw me a picture of a kid taking responsibility? Who knew how that was going to affect her future? So I just wonder, what did you learn from your artist, Shauna Perkis? And I wonder what this experience uncovered for her voice.
1: So this is a really great story for us because Shauna is as uh, a friend of mine. So she and I met um, probably about ten years ago uh, when she came to the school where I was teaching at the time. So she she's also a, a teacher, and uh, she she and I met. She, we became friends, and over time, I learned that she was an artist. She she went to university. She went to York University for fine arts. And, um, and so, uh, and then, and then when I started seeing her work, I was just completely enthralled and I'm always in awe of artists of any kind of artist. And, and I am always in awe of, you have this beautiful talent, this, this magnificent thing that you are able to do. I I don't know why I'm not seeing this as a part of your identity every single day of your life. And, uh, and, and it's always something because I wish that I had that kind of artistry, that talent that, that so many artists do. Um, And it was one of those things that was a total no brainer. It was, you know, we're writing a book, I, I have an artist, she's never written, she's never done a book before, but she's gonna do this one. And so, um, we immediately went to Shauna and said, Would you be interested in illustrating this book for us? We've never written a book before, and we know that you've never illustrated a book before. Maybe we can go through this journey of learning the process together. Oh. And uh, she was game for it. And the both of us, all three of us, we have looked back on this journey going, Oh, I wish I had done that better. Oh, I wish I had done that differently. And uh, so you know, I think that what we have, all three of us, gone through together in the in this process is knowing what we would do better next time, or knowing what we might do differently next time, or uh, you know that that process has been huge. Um, but for and I don't want to speak for Shauna, um, for her, what we believe this has offered for her, much like it has offered for us, is additional opportunity mm-hmm. to try something different and perhaps this is something that she would like to pursue further obviously she is going to be uh, someone that we ask to help us out with the next one as well um, but uh, but you know this this opens up some doors this opens up some potential for for trying something different and new and freelancing in this uh, work um, where you know perhaps she didn't even think that this was going to be a possibility before you know in some of our conversations she commissions artwork but she has never thought of you know, commissioning a book and illustrations for a book. And so it's, 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 it's a different avenue to take her artwork. And I think that she's very excited about that. And uh, we're really excited for her as well. So um, lots of different opportunities that can arise from this, um, from this experience. And, and we're just so proud that all three of us are teachers in Rexdale and we're within minutes of each other and we're friends and, uh, we loved going through this process together.
0: Love it. Love it. There's so much when we said elevating voice, it comes out many different ways. It's not just our physical voice. Her voice came out in images. Mm-hmm. So there's so much to this. Che, do you have any thoughts on the on the artist?
2: Uh, well, Pav is, I know Shauna through Pav uh although our paths have crossed as much as our schools are already closed but there's probably 40 schools in the in our board up in northwest uh, toronto and so i had i didn't know her really well until this project but um when someone gifts you capturing your image as a painting um i can think of the first time i saw the, when the rough drafts were coming in i said she's dedicated her time to drawing these." painting these images of of us as kids or me as a young boy and it just uh your heart melts and you just stop and you say that someone can have such a talent but it's not it's beyond the talent it's the humanizing of it to see yourself captured in painting um uh, by her work is a gift and that moment is something that that i'll never forget forget so um just it's when we were going through this process i never actually pondered that this would be a moment of emotionality for me. I never thought that seeing these pictures of myself would have this type of resonating power, but to see that first image of yourself as, you know, a young Che and a full set of hair, it was uh, mesmerized.
0: <laughs> well, well, this is awesome. As, as I was reading the book, of course I had to think about my publishing experience. I worked for Pearson in the ESL division and I had to go school to school with this, with this series that was designed for ESL students. And so when I was listening to your podcast and you were talking about how you were going to have this book translated into so many different languages, I was wondering, had you ever thought as as you're doing this series that perhaps you could have it geared towards an ESL student new to the country with that conversational language, you know, the, Hey, how are you? And really connect to that student in a new country. Did you ever think about that angle?
1: Actually for myself, that was the first angle that that I thought of when we, when we talked about translating the book. Um, I mean, uh, translating to French was a no brainer for us because as the official second language, Um, It it was, and so much instruction that happens in French, we would have loved to see this book in schools, in the French immersion classrooms or French classrooms. And so that was sort of like a no brainer. And then Punjabi, which is my first language was also a no brainer because um, there is a Sikh family that is being represented in the story. And so um, I would love to see a, a book like this one where there is a very visual representation of uh of a different faith of of people who don't uh necessarily look like everybody else being in this book um i would have loved to have a book like this on my bookshelf when i was growing up and not just in english but in punjabi as well so um that was definitely important to us but um earlier this year i had a student in my class an ell student who um I struggled to find stories for and and it wasn't necessarily about the English learning at that point. It was more about the content and, you know, the importance of, you know, I would have loved to have shared a story in in that student's particular language that that allowed him to really understand some of the topics that we were talking about in class, because the the availability that we had in in books of different languages it was it was nice to have those books but the content really just wasn't meshing with what we were talking about in class and so you know he's learning about the seasons in grade seven in different in in his native language when we're talking about all of these other things i just wanted him to be a part of the the class and for me it was really difficult to to bring that content in for him. And I felt like he was missing out and I should have been able to do better and uh, and provide him with richer content in, in his language where we could not just focus on the English, but focus on, you know, the importance of the the big message, the big idea that we were talking about at that time. And so that's, that's something that we really thought we want to do. We want to bring more of these important stories Two classrooms with these big messages that we want to get to every child, whether or not they are fluent in English. And, uh, and so that, that was sort of, we were thinking about this. Um, and, and it just got, we just got lucky that there were people who were listeners who said, hey, I can help you if you would like to translate in this language. And we thought, we don't even have to do the searching. People are offering their, their services, their abilities to us. And so what an amazing gift to have people who listen to us and listen to our content saying, I am, I'm fluent in this language. Would you like some help translating to that language? Yes, absolutely. We live in Toronto, one of the most uh, diverse multicultural uh, places in the world. We would love to be able to reach as many people as possible. And, and this was definitely something that we were thinking of when writing the story.
0: Well, I think there's a huge market for you there as well. So I just wondered if that you were thinking of going in that direction.
1: Maybe not so much in the, the marketing area, but bringing the story into the classrooms, for sure. Um, just being, you know, of of somebody whose first language wasn't English um, and whose children lack the knowledge of the language as much as I did when I was growing up. Uh, I would have loved to have been able to read stories like this to my children in Punjabi in in our native tongue. Um, what a gift that would have been for me to be able to teach through this book in in our language so that maybe I could have had more avenues to be able to do that. Um, I, I think it's more about being able to tell the story and, and bringing the options to teachers, to parents, to families, um, because it's something that we would have loved to have seen growing up as well.
2: There's that component of responsiveness. You know, have, mm-hmm. you talk about Toronto's multicultural, very diverse, uh, Rexdale's exceptionally diverse and it's in an almost entirely racialized community. And there's a white male, you know, that's constantly trying to better the, better himself, myself in social justice work. Part of the social justice work is how do you, honor other cultures and diversity, well, language is crucial to that. And you can say you're a social justice advocate, but if all of your work in your space goes back to the English language, then you, you've, you can do all the social justice work on this level here. But if you always funnel it back to one way of engaging in text, per se, in this particular example, then a lot of that work gets erased. And so I know when Pav and I had this conversation, I said, a lot of, like when you're trying to choose which which languages are you going to go with first our first instinct was we need to honor the voices and the languages of the communities in which we teach and so there was a real responsive so when you talk when pass it it wasn't so much about marketing we just felt if we were gonna feel like we were on a social justice a journey and we were in a position through our podcast to write a children's book or a picture book, it's not a children's book a picture book And then we're in a position to publish it and we have enough influence and enough support as pav suggested where we can offer this book in languages that direct that are directly linked to the communities in which we teach then it's our responsive and moral and ethical obligation to do that and so when we feel of our growth as podcasters and again this goes back to your first question five years ago we probably even wouldn't have pondered this but through our journey of podcasting which has taken us really in-depthly into the high resolution understanding of social justice work language is a crucial component and so we are bound ethically bound to make sure that in our picture book it is absolutely accessible to a vastness of languages that are within the teaching community the community in which we teach and to say you need to enjoy my book in english is The counter position to social justice. And Pav and I have often talked about this as much as our work is really founded in a lot of social justice we never position ourselves as social justice advocates because other folks have been around a lot longer doing the work uh Pav, i speak for myself not us on this particular case Uh, i can't position myself as a social justice advocate but if i want to be seen to be doing the work this was a space where this is where we could show that you know what we're not just dealing with this in a performative gesture we we have a, a a a picture book available and we're making sure we're connecting to our community and we feel really proud or I say we, I hope Pav will support me that we're really proud of that, that instinct and that desire to make sure that that book is accessible for moral and ethical and as social justice reasons, foremost beyond anything else.
0: Definitely and, and as we as we're moving on here, I've got to mention looking at your content from where you are now to where you began. And I heard you've mentioned the Easter eggs and not chocolate, but the personal insights that you gain from looking back and I know you you mentioned it on one of your episodes and I didn't notice that I was doing this until I looked back at episode 100 and I had to look back at what I'd created and I didn't realize how intentional I was with the guests that I asked to be on the podcast and the people that I asked were all influencers in my life in some way. And I quote them often as I want to leave a legacy with what I'm creating to help others by recording these moments of growth. And there's also a lot of fun um, with this creative side when you get to embed something of yourself in each episode. What have you both noticed about these Easter eggs that you've got in your podcast episodes?
1: The Easter eggs are are funny because... um, they're they're almost like these little inside jokes right and 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 it's like there's so many people that have been on this journey with us since day 1 that they pick up on those and then they they tell you about them they they notice them they say oh you know we we and they will pick out things that we talked about before we even realized that we had, uh, that we had done this, that we had right. embedded something in our episode that is recognizable. That is something that we talked about maybe 15, 20 episodes prior. And, and it's always such a fun thing for us to be notified about an Easter egg that has appeared somewhere. And so, um, it's, it's really humbling to us because these are people that have been with us on the journey since day one and are continuously part of this journey. Uh, and that is, that is so humbling. That is so meaningful that when it came to writing the book, we wanted to throw in a few Easter eggs of our own. So we put in, you know, we put in a couple of things and nuggets in, in the, the book that I won't say um, in the podcast, because I, we don't want to give them away to people who might be able to discover them, uncover yeah. them. And they kind of bring the, connection back to the podcast itself as the sort of oh I remember in the podcast when you guys talked about this specifically or I I know why this reference is in the book because it connects to uh, your podcast or to the drive or something that you guys have talked about before so it was almost that sort of connecting all of the pieces of our journey together and and putting in these easter eggs in all these different places for those people who are paying attention and more so for us, because everything that we have been doing is connected in some way. And so it's just a fun way for us to piece together all the different parts of our journey and to to sort of um, let people know that we see you pay, paying attention to us. So we're gonna give you something to pay a little bit of extra attention to. So uh, that's how the Easter eggs have sort of manifested and have become this fun little uh, little side journey that we take almost like a little scavenger hunt if you're paying attention to, <laughs> to the entire journey of uh, Chain Path.
2: Pav, you talked about paying attention or you talked about our, our listeners and uh, it's not so much that you weren't paying attention if you missed them, I'm sure you are paying attention um but when you think about podcasting you know pav you talked about this before like people stop podcasting well i would argue and i don't have any definitive data but you get fixated on downloads you get fixated on uh those uh those numbers and so you gauge your success by how many downloads you have and and pav you know we've had a few conversations about how many downloads you get well i can tell you but um pav you and i have hit that space where we don't actually care. And it's not that we don't care because what we used to care about has been substituted by the interaction with our audience. And when you talk about the Easter egg, the Easter egg is the interaction with the content. And so do downloads matter? They sort of do, but Pav, we actually don't listen any look for the downloads anymore. Well, there is one number we look for. How long do people listen? And so we can go back and we could tell you what our top five downloaded episodes are. And a lot of them will be earlier on because they're earlier in our yeah. portfolio. But they're not the most listened to in terms of minutes, in terms of average minutes. So if you're thinking about your data, well, what's important to us is how long do people listen? If they dive in, do they listen to the, to the full conversation? And we know that data is way up. But the Easter egg is the real data for us because it becomes a... Are you interacting with us? And sometimes when people think about the Che and Pav show, we often realize our persona or our influence or our reach is a little bigger than necessarily what our downloads are. And that manifests not so much by what Pav and I do, but by how people are willing and are excited to interact with our content. So if I come back to the toxic productivity or maybe our learning skills, are they a measure of learning or a measure of compliance? what made those episodes resonate isn't how many downloads they have, but how much interaction we have through that content. And those Easter eggs are a manifestation for us knowing that, um, folks are going to interact with what they see and so when they see an easter egg they want to tell us they found an easter egg in our content in our podcast in the story and so for a I, that's what's important for us to know that our voices is still meaningful and still connecting with our audience the only way we know our 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 content is still impactful is those interactions Uh, a thousand downloads doesn't really tell me that the content had any value for you. But the way folks interact, whether it be a smile or a side message or a comment on the content, that's the power of your podcast. That's the power of your voice. If you want to see if your voice is being amplified, elevated, connecting, uh, creating a space in a community, it's these Easter eggs. It's this interaction. So the Easter eggs are a way of connecting with the audience. It reminds me of, not Blade Runner Path, <laughs>
1: so happy very very white
2: <laughs> the show happy oh it could have been very white but not happy days because of course okay. their show took place in the 50s but it was based in the 70s and so to gauge their audience tom bosley mr cunningham wore a digital watch on what. purpose because people he want they wanted to see what interaction they would get from the community that would say hey They didn't have digital watches in the 50s. And it's those little Easter eggs that create that interaction, that content. And I think what Pav and I feel really proud about is that the interaction with our audience, we feel, is is the strength of the Chain Pav show. And it's why we feel it's, it's building a space in a community. It's not necessarily that you're coming to our community. It's that our communities collectively are synergizing together.
0: That's the brilliant part of this this whole thing. It's, It's seeing what you're creating and how it's impacting others for sure. Absolutely. Is there anything along this path that I've missed? I know that you just had an important keynote in Saskatoon that you were asked to do. As we're kind of bringing this all together, what would you want our listeners to take back with them with your whole experience of amplifying voice as you're going out into the world give me your final thoughts
1: here i think that my final thought is um is one of i'm not trying to convince anybody out there to start a podcast or you know that that they need to be doing this But this was a real vehicle for me to discover myself and love myself a little bit better and learn a little bit more about what makes me who I am and and what kind of a teacher I am. Uh, And there are so many different ways that we can do this. There is, you know, there's blogging, there's art, there's. Um, there's writing, uh, photography, whatever, whatever it is that your passion is, it can really become a vehicle for not only that self discovery, but um, if you are a teacher, it can definitely, wh- whatever way you are sharing your voice can impact the way that you are teaching. I think that it's that learning a little bit more about yourself and, and who you are as a teacher can definitely um, help students figure that out a little bit sooner as well because they they really see you going through that process and they see that journey for you and what it has done for you and and they see that growth I think that children are a lot better at at picking out when things are a little bit different than adults are and they're very intuitive in that sense and so um I think that it is something that helps. It is something that that helps you to grow. And so, I always want to encourage people to share their voice in whatever, whatever way they possibly can. Because um, as I've seen in this journey, it has made me a better person, um, a better partner, a better everything. And uh, and I love that growth for myself. And and I and I want to assure people that. If that's something that you hope to achieve then then sharing your voice in one way or another uh can help to get you there too and um and and i really would like to thank everybody who's been along the journey with us and if you're new to this journey or if you're you're thinking about embarking on this journey um i'd love to be there to witness it for you as well or with you so thank you andrea for that that great question and for that opportunity to share some of you know my insights along this along the way as well
0: definitely what about you Jay
2: well Pav you've beautifully stated the the whole emotionality the whole humanizing uh experience there's really not much more I can add other than probably just an anecdotal joke which is if I want you to take anything away it's to go and download our episodes that's the only number I look at <laughs> Go and download. Just download. I don't need you. Let's just download it. Even if it only averages 30 seconds of listening, I'll take it. Um, on the non humorous side, um, you know what? If you're into that educational space, uh, where is it that you're getting stories from? Where is it you want to better yourself to really understand the educational space? Pav and I are very definitive in stating that we've we've ascended to no mountaintops. We are no experts in, in anything of significance uh, per se. We are one of many teachers and we are one of many of the pillars of what makes education work. So I come back to a previous statement. This is why we don't identify as just educators because you can't know everything that's going on in education i don't know what's going on on the research side i i don't know what's going on on the the admin side on the policymaker side pav and i are middle school teachers and if you're thinking about diving into the the chain pav content then that's where we're positioned and if those stories matter to you to help support your understanding of education then then we think there's value there um so if I'm thinking about those components, that's that's where we're at with the Chan Path Show. If you want to dive into that middle school experience and what goes through teachers' daily grinds and, and, and celebrations and, and struggles, then this is a space to connect. Um, And so when you talked about, you brought up Saskatoon, I think Pav and I have been on this wonderful journey. And as much as we feel like it's our growth, we also know it's not our growth. Uh, We are the recipients of everyone's warm welcoming of our voice to the space. And it reminds you that when you share your voice and you share your stories, people will gravitate to your stories and, and, and they will help you continue to elevate. And so that we hope that Saskatoon keynoting talking about power of, of professional personalized professional development self-actualization is it continues and it continues to manifest and we continue to have a space where our voice inspires other voices and Pav said that so brilliantly at the end we'd love to witness your journey because our journey is not an exclusive journey and we would love to celebrate and honor anyone's growth that dies into this space and it doesn't necessarily have to be the podcasting space. How can you elevate your voice, and who's going to support you? Um, a, a quote Pav and I always talk about. You know, what do you do with the haters? I don't worry about the haters. What I worry about is the people that profess to be our supporters. How do you support? And we like to think that we that we model. We're the model text for. We support actively people around us that are doing great things because we are not the only people that are doing which we think are great things. Maybe it's just good things. It's great when Pav talks. It's good when I talk. Um, And beyond that, I'll finalize on that. And I would just add a little bit, as Pav spoke on such a human and emotional side, I would also attest that a lot of my own growth is through listening to Pav speak and to talk. And I've always known that I've never been emotionally driven. And so the way I speak and the way I write and the way I interact with people has been a little maybe over the top dehumanizing because I tend to be exceptionally stoic. And so to hear Pav speak op- opens up my heart to being more human and being more emotional. And so that journey of much of its self actualization, connecting with content, it's also connecting with Pav. <laughs>
0: Well, I want to thank you both for coming on this podcast. And I haven't met you in person yet, but I do feel massively connected to both of you at the heart level. Like You've both supported my work in this space as I'm working on elevating my voice. So you're absolutely right. You're there to support anyone. And I've absolutely felt your love over the years. So I want to thank you for that. And for people to learn more about your podcast and book series is the best place. Just Che and That's the best place for you guys.
1: Yeah, Che and is our sort of hub for everything. Um, anything that we're, we're doing that's coming up or that's available, um, presentations we're, we're doing, uh, that's all there. Um, but definitely you can connect with us on all the social media handles. We are very active on all of them and we respond to everybody. So um please reach out to us on Twitter at Staff Podcast or at Pav Wonder at Mr. C Cheney. Um, Instagram, LinkedIn, Facebook, wherever you want to be, even TikTok, we're there. Uh, so, um, please reach out where we love, we love connecting with everybody. And so we'll definitely, uh, connect with you as well. Well,
0: I can't wait to see what's next for both of you and how many young leaders, your book and series will inspire in the future. When I make it back home, you guys are going to be the first people that I'm going to call, other than my parents, but, but I'll call you right after I call them. So I want to thank you so much.
1: Thank you so much, Andrea. Like we said earlier, we're so grateful to you. Uh, We've loved connecting with you over the past couple of years. And we've had uh, several conversations with one another. And and we do feel like we know each other and are friends. And uh, right after you talk to your parents, we're going to uh, figure out which parking lot we're going to be meeting at. Sounds awesome.
2: Agreed, Andrew. Thank you so much for connecting with us, collaborating with us and and talking with us, not only in the social media space, but behind the scenes and and forging a relationship that we know is meaningful and impactful. And so we'll meet you in the parking lot.
0: Sounds good, I'll be there. (laughs) Thanks guys. Today, I got to come full circle as a former teacher from Toronto District School Board who had no idea of the impact possible when you put The Eighth Habit into action. Imagine how many young leaders Che and Pav's book series will inspire. This is only the beginning for them, but I see so much more. I do understand now why they refer to themselves as just teachers from Toronto, although I'll always see them as legendary leaders. I can't wait to see where these two teachers with a passion of sharing their voices through storytelling and helping others to amplify their voice end up in the next five to ten years dr. Stephen Covey's quote reminds us that life is about getting to the eighth habit so whatever it is that you might be working on I hope this episode has given you some insight of the importance of amplifying those unheard voices whether it's in the classroom workplace or in the sports environment with that final thought i'll see you next episode with an elementary school assistant principal dan wolf who's just about to release a new book that takes the five sel competencies we've covered on our podcast and shows us how to navigate through life with these competencies as our moral compass see you next episode